Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 22. And we're going to read all the way down to verse 24. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So that is the final concluding verses of the book of Genesis chapter 3 that we have spent so much on. So what we're going to do today is to take a look at verses 20 and 21 that of those verses we read. And my, I perceive that we are only going to stay in verse 20 today. But those two verses, verses 20 and 21, they came immediately after the end of God's judicial, judicial sentencing of the serpent that Satan and the man and the woman. So these two verses came on the heel of those sentences. And these two verses, they are kind of like parentheses, really, kind of interrupting the thread of the narrative, okay? So we are going to focus on this. So the pair, that's Adam and Eve, they've been arraigned before God, the righteous God. They were convicted of their offense, they were sentenced, how be it, with divine clemency. We have seen that. And the guilty but pardoned peer, they prepared to leave their garden home. And unfortunately, both of them face future of uncertainty, future of sorrow, hardship, toil, and eventually of physical death. So we are going to look at verse 20 then. Remember we said this verse 20 come on the hill of the end, at the end of this judicial sentence. And we said that they're kind of like a parenthesis that seems to have interrupted the thread of the narrative. But in these two verses are very, very important um, revelation, important information that impact on the story moving forward. They reveal something to us that will be important for us. So verse 20, and Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. So this was the first thing Adam did after they have received their sentences. Thank God they didn't divorce. <laughs> I guess they didn't know that was an option. But this was the first thing Adam did. He didn't slap his wife. He didn't punch his wife. He didn't run away from his wife. The first thing Adam did was to call his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And this pronouncement of Adam is very, very important, particularly because it was coming on the heel of a definitely difficult period in their life together as husband and wife. Adam called, and Adam called his wife's name Eve. He didn't call her stupid. 
He didn't call her regret. He didn't call her any names that people will call themselves when they are hurt, when they are disappointed. Adam could have called the name of his wife anything, but he called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And what is the implication of that? Remember that Adam has before called his wife's name Isha, which means woman. She's Isha. And he called her name woman. That's the name he gave her as a wife. Now he called her Eve. Now that word Eve is very, very important because in Greek it is Shava. Shava. I'm not sure whether I'm pronouncing it right. And that is the Greek word for Zoe. And that means life. So Adam called his wife's name Shava in Hebrew, Zoe in Greek, and that means life. So Adam called Eve Shava as a mother. And the translation before us says because she was the mother of all living. And this over here actually is another instance of divine clemency. For her sin, Eve was justly sentenced, yet by God's infinite mercy, she is and she is going to be the mother of her living. God did not withdraw that privilege from her. And the husband called her that name just to stamp that reality. And this action, this pronouncement by, by Adam is an assurance that notwithstanding their sin, God has not reversed that blessing for them to be fruitful and to multiply. And it is also a demonstration on the part of Adam, a demonstration of faith, faith in the promise of God. Because God just told them about the seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent. And this pronouncement by Adam is really very, very important because it shows that Adam believed, that Adam has faith in the promise of God, that there's going to come a seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent. Adam called the name of his wife Eve, Chava in Hebrew, Zoe in Greek, life in English. And that name is prophetic. And that name finds immediate proximate and preparatory fulfillment in the person of Eve. But that prophecy awaits a later ultimate and consummatory fulfillment in Christ. I like what Philip Hughes said about interpreting prophecy, because this is another prophecy that we come across in the book of Genesis. Let's read what Philip Hughes said in his book titled Interpreting Prophecy. He said, above all else, there is one focal figure in whom the promises of the future blessings uttered through the prophet of old achieved their realization, namely the incarnate Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And this is very, very important for us to understand. And Adam is demonstrating that type of realization and faith here. And we need to understand that the focus, the focus of all prophecy that is uttered through the prophet of old and the focus of all prophecy that is recorded for us through the pages of the scripture, the focus of all of them is on one individual figure. They, they are realized in this individual figure. They are fulfilled. They are consummated in this one individual figure 
who is the incarnate Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let's read a little bit more quotation from Philip Hughes. He said, the prophetic promises of the Holy Scriptures are seen in their true perspective only as their light is concentrated on the unique person of him who is the savior of mankind and the sole mediator of all God's covenanted promises. And this is very, very important. And we see this play out as Adam prophetically called his wife's name Eve. And every prophetic promises of the Holy Scripture, whether you find it in the prophetic book or whether it's a prophetic utterance, every one of these promises are seen in their true perspective only as their light is concentrated on the unique person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is the sole mediator of all God's covenanted blessing. We will learn a lot more about the Lord Jesus Christ and prophecy as we move on in our study, especially as we get to the section of this study that we call in the Old Testament the Nevim, that is the prophets. Okay, remember Revelation chapter 19 verse 10, we've quoted this a couple of times. It tells us that the essence of prophecy is to give a, wit- a clear witness for Jesus. That's Revelation 19.10. The essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. However, we need to understand that prophetic passages are not limited to the Nevim. Prophetic utterances are not limited to the Nevim. That's the book of the prophet. And we are coming across such prophetic utterance, even here in the book of Genesis, as Adam prophetically named his wife Eve. There are prophetic passages scattered throughout the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. I took a detour there to, to, to talk about prophecy. So Adam called his wife's name Eve. That is Shavah in Hebrew. That is Zoe in Greek. And that is life in English. Now, how does this found an ultimate and consummation fulfillment in Christ Jesus? How is this name of Eve? How does it find consummation in Christ Jesus. Let us read just one verse in the New Testament. That is John chapter 10. Very, very popular and common verse. John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that he might have life. That's our word again. That is the word for Eve. That is Zoe in Greek. And that they might find it more abundantly. Let's read that in Amplified Classic. It says that the thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy, I am come that they might have and enjoy life. That's the way again in Greek, and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Praise the Lord, till it overflows. So as we saw previously, because of sin, because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve, human's life and consequently all human enjoyment has become polluted by and eventually cut short by death. So we still have life, but that life is polluted. That life is ruined. Adam and Eve allowed access to the thief, the hacker, if we can call him that way. And he has released a deadly virus into this system that we call life. The system is still running 
their beauties quite all right, their achievements, their marriages, their childbirth, their government and so on. But everything now has been tarnished. Everything now has been polluted. In the very heart of life and in all its manifestation, we find death in one form or the other. But as we read in this John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus Christ came to repair, to resolve, to restore everything that has been lost in the Garden of Eden. He said, I came, that John chapter 10 verse 10, I came that they may have and enjoy life. That's Zoe. That was what Adam was prophetically pronouncing when he called his wife Eve. The Lord Jesus said, I have come. I am a fulfillment of that prophecy. I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflow. Praise the Lord. So, spoiler alert is coming because we are going to move quickly into the future and move quickly back. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, ultimately, the journey away from the Garden of Eden is actually a journey towards the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom all the problem of sin and of death will be resolved. That is the story. So we've come up to a point here where Adam and Eve are moving away from the garden in Eden. But actually, that movement away is really movement towards. It's a journey towards the Messiah. And it's really a journey back to the will of God. You see where we're going with this? So the ultimately, the journey away from the garden in Eden is really a journey towards the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring us back to God's ultimate purpose and plan. This is the summary of the plotline of our story from now on. So that is why I call it a spoiler alert. It is the story of how human continue to move away and away from God. And in the process, they suffer inevitable consequences. That is one part of that story. But it is also a story of how God is working, how be it justly to help human. Oftentimes, human doesn't, receive those help. <laughs> but the story is in one hand a story of horror because men moved away from God. But on the other hand, it's a story of mercy. It's a story of clemency. It's a story of God's grace. It's a story of how God is working righteously and justly to help human and bring them back to himself. How? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And thereby God will fulfill and consummate his original plan and restore and consolidate human's role in that plan. And that is the story, really. Now, let's read First John chapter 3, verse 8, and we'll read that in the book of Amplified. First John chapter 8, First John chapter 3, verse 8, the one who practices sin, separating himself from God, and offending him by act of disobedient indifference or rebellion is of the devil, and takes his inner character and moral value from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. And we can put Adam and Eve in that group because that is the group they fell into. But the Bible says the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy those works of the devil, to destroy the works of the devil. Ampli Amplify Classic, the, um, the ending says the reason the Son of God was made manifest, the reason God become incarnate, made visible, was to undo, to destroy, to loosen, to, to, to dissolve the work that the devil 
has done. And what I'm saying here is that this is the journey. This is the this is the this is the ultimate, you know, storyline. This is the plot of this line. Is the fact that men moved away from God, and that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, God is going to restore human back unto Himself. Let's read Second Corinthians chapter five, verses seventeen to nineteen. We are still, you know, looking. We are still confirming, as it were, this reality. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verses 17 to 19. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. Re- see that word again. Reconciliation in Christ Jesus, who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has also given us this ministry so that we also can be his agent of reconciliation to we that God was in Christ. This is what God was doing or is doing in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world back unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation so this is what we see this is what is happening okay yes there's a sense in which we are at a point that is heart-wrenching we are at a point that is very dark we're at a point that is really horrific man threw the man and the woman threw all this thing away and they're on their way they're on their journey away from the garden of the light but let's understand that god did not give up on the man and the woman that he has created, that ultimately this journey away from the Garden of Eden is a journey towards the Messiah, which is which ultimately will be a journey back, which will ultimately be a journey of reconciliation. But who is this Jesus? How will he enter into our story? How will he enter into this story? And when? Will he enter into this story? How will he sort humans out? How will he sort out this great mess that humans have created? Who is just Jesus? Now, we have answered partially the question of who this Jesus is, but the full uh, revelation we await the future. We have seen in the part that is the seed of the woman, that this Jesus is the son of Abraham, that this Jesus is the root of of Jesse, that this Jesus is the son of David, that this Jesus is the Messiah. Who is this Jesus? But more revelation will come as we go on in our story. These questions will be answered progressively as we go through our story. Who is he? How will he enter into the story? When will he enter his story? How will he sort out this mess? So this will unfold as we go on in our story, but we need we, we cannot afford not to mention this. The Bible makes one thing very clear. It will take the death of the incarnate God himself to sort out the mess that humans have created for themselves, the mess that human has dragged creation into, that it will take the death of the incarnate God himself. And Philip Hugh, you know I'm quoting a lot from him, says something that I think is really very important. He said, the horror of the death of the incarnate son as the necessary means of our redemption leaves us without any possible excuse for misunderstanding the true significance of human's death. 
when we understand what is going to cost God to redeem us, to reconcile us, to sort this mess out, it actually helps us to understand the depth of the mess that Adam and Eve created. It helps us to understand the evil and wickedness and horror of death that human has introduced into creation. Because if man could have been redeemed any other way, God will have done it any other way. Understand that the Lord Jesus Christ coming to die for us was not a cosmic abuse like many people will want to insinuate because Jesus is God himself. Okay, It's not somebody that God was um, twisting to come and die for us. It is God himself that become incarnate and we call him Jesus. God himself that came to die for us. And when we understand what it takes, when we understand the price that it takes for us to be redeemed, for this mess to be paid for, when we understand this, the, the, the price, the horror of the death of the incarnation as the necessary means of our redemption, as the necessary means of our reconciliation, as the necessary means of our coming back again, when we understand that, it makes us to understand the depth, the significance, the horror, the evil, the wickedness of human's death. That is what human has unleashed upon creation. Listen to me. Sin is not a joke, okay? It is evil, it is wicked, and it, it took the death of the incarnate God, the Son himself, to be able to open a door for us, to be able to escape and come back to God. And if you and I, and God forbid, if we then ignore that, or if we then treat that as something that is of little significance, we'll have ourselves to blame for it. But I'm trusting that tonight you will not take that lightly, that you will not ignore it, that you will take a full advantage and run to the cross tonight and give your life to him. Because there is no other name that is given among men whereby we might be saved. You have to come this way. God has done everything, has given everything for us. But we have to receive it. We have to believe. We have to confess him as our Lord and Savior and invite him into our life. Praise the Lord. So we will stop there today. Um, By the grace of God, uh, next time we'll go on to verse 21. So today we have stayed in Genesis chapter 2 verse 20, but by God's grace, we'll move on to verse 21 because God did something. Remember, we said these two verses, they are kind of like a parenthesis, you know, in this narrative, but they are very important. So verse 20, we saw a prophecy of Adam, which connect us to the future. And we have done that tonight. And tomorrow we are going to see something that God also did prophetically that is very, very important to the trajectory of our story. And again, like I've said a couple of moments ago, if you have not given your life to Christ, do it now. Because that is the only way you and I will be able to escape and be redeemed out of this world that is sinking fast. Do it tonight. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.